Hello. Hi. <laughs> My name is Alma. Welcome you, to our podcast. You look super uncomfortable. You want pillows? It's okay. No, we're fine. Okay. We're fine. Hello. I'm Carlene. And this is Alma. <laughs> Hi. I'm Alma. <laughs> we haven't even pre-gamed. We're just being silly. Tell me about your week. Um. Well, Valentine's we went Day? to... Well, we had a really awesome Valentine's Day because we were in Las Vegas. Yes. We went dancing, Ooh. which was pretty fun. We, we let loose. What kind of music? Uh, it, was, it was all kinds of music. Yeah, we had a little adventure yeah. trying to find a place to dance because, you know, when you're in Las Vegas, everybody's trying to get you to go into their club, yeah. but a lot of them just want you to sit down at a table and pay for it. Yeah. So I I forgot where we went, but we were in the Paris hotel. It was pretty good. We had a good time. They kind of lied to us to get us in, but we were already tired of walking around looking for a place. What do you mean they lied? Well, they told us it was going to cost something else. And then they charged you more. Yeah. Wow. Bastards. Yeah. Well, we won't plug them. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, we had a good time. So uh, we we did commit to recording an episode last week. Yes. But you weren't feeling good. But I couldn't. <laughs> and I barely can now. Yeah. She, <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying, folks. We're recording from Carlene's house because she's, she's still in recovery mode. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few bulging discs and I'm pretty sure I made one. I think it's herniated. And so, well, maybe I herniated a few. I don't know. It's weird because I had circle on Sunday, circle on Monday. I was fine. And I think it was Saturday or maybe one of the days prior to that, I went to Costco and I got one of those (laughs) big things of kitty litter. Oh, wow. You lifted it up. And I lifted it, but I didn't something maybe but I didn't hurt after I did that I didn't hurt well, on you never Sunday. do I didn't hurt on it's usually Monday like a few days later that you really I don't know I, I didn't hurt on oh it was on Tuesday that I woke up but see that's what like when I broke my clavicle I just woke up and it, the doctors kept saying how did that happen and I'm like I honestly I don't know I just woke up and it hurt you know so just I don't know maybe I sleep violently <laughs> Maybe you do. Maybe spirit beat me up at night. I don't know. <laughs> Kicked you in the back? Yeah. Yeah, because honestly, I think I just woke up and couldn't walk. Like, I literally couldn't walk. I, it was the most excruciating pain. It still is, but I mean, it's functional pain now because I'm, I'm used to being in pain. Yeah, I don't even know how you're functional. I know. And then people will say, like, well, you do healings. Can't you get healing? I am getting healing. Like, this is healing. I'm supposed to be in a, according to doctors, I should be in a wheelchair or dead by now because of my diseases that I have, you know? So, so this is just part of what I have to go through. Uh, Okay. So I'll tell you, I had a client come, her and her mom and her dad, her dad is in a wheelchair. And it was that night that I was doing healing on him. The next day I was actually able to be where I am now. Really? Yeah. So they they healed me while we were healing him. Uh huh. So I was able to like, okay, I can, I can actually get out of bed. I can, yeah. And then you you feel like fifty percent better than you did before. So you want to get things done. And then you mess yourself up more. Yeah. But I don't. I've been really good. I've been spending a lot of time on the couch with the heating pad. <sighs> It's so awful because I, I don't like being lazy. That's just not who I am. And I also think that especially 
when you live in pain, it's like a paper cut. If you go around thinking about it, like, so if you lay around and you're just thinking about your pain, you're going to be in pain. And if you, you know, the paper cut, if you can just put a bandaid on it and walk around and do things, you don't, you're not thinking about it. It doesn't hurt so much. Right. Until you get lemon juice on it. And then you're like, motherfucker. Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I mean, and, and most people don't know until I start getting squirmy, kind of like how I am. Yeah. Right now. I'm getting a little squirmy. squirmy. But yeah, it's you need just. need me to put like a couple more pillows around you? <laughs> Help you out? I'm going to have to cushion yeah. my whole body. I will. I was looking at her salt lamp right now. She's got a little tea light in it, but we were talking about it earlier. So my nephew was there. And Thank you for helping me. Oh, no problem. He's seen this thing. I lit the candle and whatever. And he's like, what is that? And I go, it's a salt lamp. And he's like, it's salt? And I go, yeah, it's really salt. And he's like, no, it's not. And I said, it? yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I made people lick it all the time. Oh, my God. I also tell my clients, I just had some clients here. And I said, um, we were talking about it. And I said, always lick your lamp. And the guy's like, yes, always lick your lamp. I'm like, because there's fake ones out there. So you Is have to really? lick it. Mm-hmm. it. Especially if you buy them on Amazon, uh-huh. there's fake ones. So you have to lick your lamp. Make sure you get a real one. Honestly, I didn't even think of licking it until my <laughs> nephew licked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually took one to a friend of mine and I was like, lick it, taste it. And they're like, no, you're disgusting. I'm like, salt, taste it, taste it. You could like grind it up and put it in something. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually use nothing but Himalayan salt in my food now. Oh, yeah. You know where you get it really cheap? Is that like Ross Costco. or TJ Maxx? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ross has, I always see they have like olive oil and that coconut oil. Co- oh, yeah. Big Lots has it cheap too. Do they really? Mm-hmm. I'll have and to remember that next time. Ross and TJ Maxx and places like Marshalls and stuff, you can use it for everything in the bath. Uh huh. In the kitchen, right? Oh yeah, and the bath is great oh because it's like full of um, it detoxes magnesium, mm-hmm. full of magnesium. So it, that's good for you, and it detoxes you, and also your skin feels so good. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it, it, your skin will be really soft. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yum. Anyway, that's my life. Back that, problems, and but I, I try not to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Although every, I felt so bad every time you'd be like, how are you doing? Because I don't usually complain about my right. pain. And I'm like, I'm dying. I'm in tons of pain. That's fine. I'm like, I got to be real. It hurts that bad. Anybody else would have been in the ER. Even right now, they'd be at the ER. Ugh. That's how bad it is. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Then I'm like sending emails to my doctor and they're like, okay, we're, we sent a ref- we're sending a referral for you. You should be hearing any day. And it's been over a week and I haven't heard a damn thing. You didn't call them today? I emailed them. No, because they just send me to voicemail. It's well, faster to get emails to them than a voicemail. Because they don't check their voicemails? No, and then they'll say, it'll say if it's after 12 on a Friday that they don't get it until Monday. Yeah, But they check their sucks. emails ouch even after they go home still like floored that they haven't got back to you mm-hmm. because people like me who don't cry because we're hurting be the squeaky will yeah they don't take us seriously like i had a kinked intestine right and i went to the, i finally went to the hospital after people telling me just go you're gonna this isn't good and even in the doctor's notes like there i kept telling them my pain is a 20 just listen you deal to with me. it every day yeah and i'm like I, i'm not a big crier you have a I'm high traumatic threshold very high and so i'm like but if I'm here, that means it's awful. 
And then he wrote, patient doesn't seem to be in much pain. They were going to send me home. And then he finally said, well, let's do a... You just um, got to start just telling them. I'm I should just start crying. Just, I do. I'm in massive pain. You have to be dramatic. Right. And so then I'm um, after they were going to send me home and he did a CT scan. And then they were like, we need to admit her stat. And I was like, my sister's like, what's going on? They're like, she has a kinked intestine. Five minutes longer and it could have blown up. Yeah. Oh, you were going to send me home with that. Yeah. Because I'm not crying and being, you know, because I have a high pain threshold and I'm not overly. Right. Not to say people who are in pain, who cry are being dramatic. Right. I'm just not like that. Right. That's just not. I used to have a pretty high pain threshold and I feel like now I'm getting whinier. Like yeah. <laughs> any little thing, I'm just like, ah, I'm I, in pain. If you're not used to being in pain, stat. no, no, you're not. That tailbone girl, I know that hurt you. And you <laughs> took it like a champ. And then you fell and you like laughed. And I laughed and I felt bad because I forgot. Oh my God. Oh my I God. forgot about that. Yes. I forgot about that when we were recording the podcast. Yes. My, no. My, I broke my chair. No, do not underestimate yourself. You are strong. <laughs> you took that like a champ. I was. Oh, uh uh-uh. Oh, my God. I would have, I actually would have been, it helps me to tell people that I hurt sometimes if it's that bad. If I just say like, oh, I'm in pain. Like, I'll tell the kids, just ignore me, but I have to like verbalize my pain. So if I'm like, oh, ow, or damn it, I hurt, motherfucker. You know, just let me talk like that to like get it out of my system. So it feels like you're either possessed or have Tourette's. (laughs) <laughs> like yes. a motherfucker yeah motherfucking a- oh you should just hear me besides yelling at my cat oh my god well that you got to hilarious. hear that yeah i did <laughs> she was showing me some of her surveillance videos because she got Spooky. some weird activity mm-hmm. um because she has one that's like pointed towards her living room and she got a weird knock and, a but, loud but she knock. was trying to find the video to show me <laughs> and in between were like videos of her screaming at her cat <laughs> you hear it's two or three o'clock in the morning and i'm going shut up shut up fucking hate you (laughs) but then the next day i feel guilty so i'm like you're like cuddling baby come sleep with mama she must think i'm bipolar because she'll be like scratch scratch meow meow and i'm like shut the fuck up you stupid motherfucker and then she'll come up on the bed and i'll go oh come cuddle with mommy she's got to be confused like what the (laughs) what is wrong with this lady yeah oh my god i don't know what she's thinking except for i think i'm gonna go pee on her carpet like like oh crazy bitch guess what i'm gonna do and then i'll hear i'll hear the can you hear that? Mm-hmm. And I'll and then all of a sudden and I can hear that in a dead sleep and I'll be like, "What are you doing?" And she'll stop and be like, "Nothing." And run to her litter box. Like <laughs> she knows. Yeah, I was gonna pay you back for your bipolar possession, but no. <laughs> I, Never you, mind. You scared me. You are really scary. <laughs> I might have peed myself a yeah. little. All I have to do is say, "What are you doing?" And she'll freeze. And be like, um, hold on, I gotta get it back in there. Uh, nothing. Ever under a little. Box. That's hilarious. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, we had Las Vegas. Yeah, oh yeah, I thought it was about Albert's you the birthday. Whole time. Oh, oh Albert's shoot. birthday. I did say happy birthday. Yeah. Okay. I have so many birthdays in February. March. Yeah, Febu- yeah. In I am March, surrounded yeah. by Aquarius. Like, well, in January, too, because there was Serena. Yeah. Yes. January and February. Me, too. My best friend. I, my, um, my best friend, not, Oli. My birthday's not in the. <laughs> I had to. I had to reiterate right now. 
my best friend Oli. Um, happy belated birthday if you're listening. Albert, mm. Serena, uh, my uncle, my tío Kiko. Mm. Just they're all over. These Aquarius people in my life. Aquarius, they're free birds. Yeah, yeah. I my like brother. Out with an my brother's, Yeah, my brothers. They're also very goal oriented and don't mess with them when they got their mind made up about something. They like they have a just let them do it because yeah. they're like very focused. They get fixated. Yeah. I think they're afflicted with ADD like Gemini's mm-hmm. in some ways. Could be. Because they're kind of spacey. Not spacey, but yeah. I would say OCD sometime. from yeah. the daughter's yeah, and, I mean, she definitely doesn't have ADD, but she definitely has OCD. Not a terrible case of it. <laughs> you know it. what, Serena does too. Yeah, in a, it's in part a real of them, weird way. I think it's part of their there's they're free birds, but they're also organized free birds. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, Serena wasn't until mm. she hit like a certain age, and then all of a sudden, like she had the most immaculate room in the house, mm. and you the kids would go to school maybe. My nephews or my nieces would come over or something in between. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, oh, go play in Serena's room. <laughs> and she would know that somebody had been in her oh, room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Allie used to line things up and they all had to be in a certain order when she was little. And it really? was like, what? But but yeah, her room could also get extremely disgusting. But then when she cleans it, yeah, like she has to have special hangers and then she puts her clothes in a special order pretty bizarre yeah serena's kind of the same way yeah everything has its and then she'll be like she'll look at me like how do you not know to do this <laughs> like uh, it's some natural order that yes. you're supposed to follow yes like <laughs> how do you not know to put these with these and this and that and no not everybody thinks that way oh yeah well i guess we have a podcast to do so we oh should, i have a really long story she does I do. I mean, it's kind of heavy, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Maybe it's just the weight of the paper. I think it is, but it's also 15 pages. But I'm going to try and condense as much as I can. By the way, we're drinking Robert Mondavi Napa Valley Fumé Blanc, and she just opened up a rosé right now. I'm not a fan of that one. So I'm trying to abstain just a little bit because I want to get this story out and not go too far off in the weeds. It's Tipsy Tales. I know. But it's also, it's a pretty sobering story. I don't know how you say that. Menage a trois. It came to you as we... Yep, sure did. <laughs> I'm like, clearly they wouldn't name a wine that. I'm wanting to break into this one. Have you? I have one. I just like the color. But I think I've waited too long to drink it because it kind of like changed colors on oh, me. Let's see. Hold on, I'll tell you. This one's not bad. That one that you're drinking tastes stronger this one's much more is it mild sweet? it's not sweet but the aroma of it is not very delightful <laughs> <laughs> you're like i was hoping for something a little i wanted bit it sweeter. to smell good all right so have you heard of the story of emma till no we decided to stick with like a because it's february right black history month just to put that out there to everybody. Right. So you actually said you were doing that story kind of in an honor of Black History. And then I decided to do mine. I was like, good idea. I think I'll look up mine. Right. Okay. So no, I haven't. What is it again? Emmett? The murder of Emmett Till. I'm surprised you haven't heard this story. I don't think I have. Maybe when I start reading it, it'll start okay. sounding a little bit more familiar to you. Okay. And I've been wanting to do this story for a while. And I oh. figured this was the perfect time to do it and sometimes we do stories and we can find humor along the way but this isn't that kind of a story then we should be 
little so more I'm drunk. sorry, you guys. So pre-game. <laughs> that's why Maybe I was we trying be to drink whiskey as sober as possible. Although I wish I could drink for this story. Anyways, murder mm-hmm. in all its degrees has unfortunately been around since the beginning of time. This is a story of murder, but is also a story of something much more insidious. Emmett Lewis Till was born in Chicago on July 25th, 1941, to Mamie Carthen and Lewis Till. His mother, Mamie, was born in a small Delta town of Webb, Mississippi, and when she was about two, her family moved to Argo, Illinois, in what was known as the Great Migration of Rural Black Families Moving North to Escape the Inequality and Violence of the South. Mamie and Lewis separated in 1942. Lewis Till enlists in the Army, and then he's executed while he's in the Army. What? For some questionable stuff basically the rape and murder of an italian woman oh okay emmett's father was executed in the army and i think lewis was like two or four years old he wasn't very by this time his parents had already separated okay so anyways i told you about the rape and the murder of an italian woman but at the time mamie didn't get this explanation all she just got was a very vague um message saying that he had been executed for crimes while he was in the army oh so like It wasn't even to her. It was like, it's not serious enough to be executed because they didn't give her. They didn't give her any information. They just sent her his signet ring. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's terrible. And the signet ring said LT on it, had his initials on it. Mm -hmm. So she later gives this ring to her son. Mm. So remember that. According to Lewis's mother, Emmett did not come to into this world easily. Um, he was a breech baby. But once he was there, he had a smile that would light up a room. At the age of six, he contracted polio, which he survived, but it left him with a stutter. He was a happy young man, and according to his friends, he was a prankster. He was a sharp dresser and was often the center of attention among his peers. He sounds like he's that kid that just is like everybody just kind of revolves around him, and he's like the the light of the room yeah you know well i wonder if like him having the stutter and having the polio right you know sometimes the mask is drawing people in and being happy on the outside but really not on the does that make sense right so he's like the life of the party but inside he's not very happy i don't know i don't get that from this but yeah maybe okay i don't know it sounds like he was just a happy kid so at the time this happens he's about 14 years old Oh, well, maybe he was just like, was he good looking? Yeah, from the pictures, he's a good looking kid. Okay. Um, In 1955, Mamie's 64-year-old uncle, Mose Wright, paid them a visit in Chicago during the summer and told Emmett stories of living in the Mississippi Delta, and Emmett decided he wanted to see for himself. So he begged his mom to allow him to visit um, Mose. She didn't want him to go. And as any mother, she worried and she spoke to him about how things in Mississippi were not the same as they were in Chicago and that he needed to know how to behave in front of whites in the South. Oh, wait, I didn't realize they're black. Yeah. Black History Month. Yeah, I understood that, but I didn't understand that he was black. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, is your phone always on? Okay. Can I just sidebar for a second? Okay. My clients were here the other day. Just your phone brought this up. So pay attention to your phone. Her battery went from like 40 to 5 and her phone was off. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to tell you. Spirit will this, drain. Okay. Because this has a full in- charge and okay. it, it usually drains very, very slowly. Okay. Let's watch it. Okay. Because my battery goes like crazy. Does it? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Side, 
Sidebar over. So anyways, he wants to go down to Mississippi and see how things are out there and visit his family that he has down in Mississippi. And he asks his mom, like basically has to beg her because she's just like, yeah, because she knows how things are down there. And he's been raised in Chicago, which is a very different atmosphere. Well, they're more progressive. And in Mississippi, that the South, the deep South. Especially in 1955. Yeah, 1955. I mean, there were. The Ku Klux Klan were just killing black boys because they're black. Right. You know, I mean, just dragging them behind trucks and yeah, lighting them There were them on lynchings fire and, and hangings. Yeah. Oh. And even though, like, a lot of them happened, like, years earlier, there mm-hmm. was still, like, oh, it was they happening. were still happening. All the way to the 50s, right. 60s. Even now. Come on, it's still happening. Yeah. So, anyways, she she acquiesced. She didn't want to, but she did because Sometimes he was just so convincing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, she has this this talk with him, you know, about how things are down there, and he assures her that he understands. Um, they always say they get it. They yeah. always say that our kids know everything. Right. Like, yeah, most kids do. They're like, okay, I get it. I get yeah. it. So Mo's right company's um, 14-year-old Emmett with his cousin Willer and another cousin Curtis Jones, Wright was a sharecropper and a part-time minister, and he was all, also known as preacher. They just called him. That was his name. Oh my gosh. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Oh yeah. I was yeah. thinking of that story. <laughs> they headed down to Money, Mississippi, this which is where he's from. Uh-huh. Um, a small town that consisted of three stores, a school, a post office, and a cotton gin. So one of those places that if you blink, you miss the town. They arrived in Money on August 21st. Several days later, he and cousin Curtis Jones skipped church and joined some local boys as they went to Bryant's grocery store and meat market to buy some candy. Even that's dangerous. Right. Oh, no. The teenagers were children of sharecroppers and had been picking cotton all day. The market mostly served the local sharecropper population. It was owned by a white couple, 24-year-old Roy Bryant and his 21-year-old wife, Carolyn. Carolyn was alone in the store that day. Her sister-in-law was in the rear of the store watching the children, and Jones left Till with the other boys while Jones played checkers across the street. So this is his cousin. So his cousin just goes across the street, and um, Emmett's hanging out with these other local boys. What actually took place in the store is different depending on who's telling the story. Yes. According to some versions, including comments from some of the kids standing outside the store, Till may have wolf-whistled at Bryant. Till's cousin Simeon Wright, who was with him at the store, stated Till whistled at Bryant, saying, I think Emmett wanted to get a laugh out of us or something. Furthering, he was always joking around, and it was hard to tell when he was being serious. Because he's used to being the life of the party. Right. And, right, and so here he is in a and, and he's 14, he's probably showing off in front of these kids. Yeah. And he's not used to being somewhere where you he have needs to, to watch be a little more reserved. Yeah. Yeah. God, he's only 14. He's 14. It's no. like you have to keep telling yourself this. Yeah, I mean, because he was, he 14, was kind of she a... should have told him no. I wouldn't have let my 14-year-old go. What was she thinking? I mean, think about the time. You know, yeah. 14 at that time was like almost close to being a man. I guess. I don't know. Wright stated that following that whistle, he came immediately alarmed, saying, well, it scared us half to death, and you know, we were almost in shock. We couldn't get out of there fast enough, because the, they're they're from there, and they know better. They were like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Because we had never heard of anything like that before. A black boy whistling at a white woman <gasps> in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. No. Wright stated, the Ku Klux Klan and Night Riders were part of our daily lives. Oh, my God. I haven't. Night Riders. I'm, I haven't heard of the Night Riders. Have you? 
Following his disappearance, a newspaper account stated that Till sometimes whistled to alleviate his stuttering. His speech was sometimes unclear, and his mother said he had particular difficulty with pronouncing B sounds, and he may have whistled to overcome problems, asking for bubblegum. She said that to help with his articulation, she taught Till how to whistle softly to himself before pronouncing his words. But not a... Yeah, and so what it sounds like, because I watched a ton of documentaries and like listen to a few podcasts and um from the first town accounts of like his cousins that were there with them they're like no she might say that because it's her son and right you know what i mean she's trying to protect him right like, no he would never be that right. boy he was doing this they were like there's a lot of things that came out of that day that were untrue mm-hmm. but he whistled yeah so bryant would later testify that till grabbed her hand while she was stocking candy and said How about a date, baby? She said that she freed herself from his grasp and the young man followed her to the cash register, grabbed her waist and said, what's the matter, baby? You can't take it. Oh, no. But according to people that were there with him. They said that didn't happen. No. He wasn't being aggressive. He wasn't being aggressive. He was just being a a 14-year-old flirty boy. Like I said, of all the things that came out that day, the whistle is probably the most probable. So thing. there's documentaries on this. I want to watch them. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Bryant said she freed herself until said, "You needn't be afraid of me, baby." Used one unprintable word, <laughs> whatever that was. And said, I've been with a white woman before. Bryant also alleged that one of Till's companions came into the store, grabbed him by the arm, and ordered him to leave, which... No. Decades later, Till's cousin Simeon Wright also challenged the account given by Carolyn Bryant at the trial. Wright entered the store less than a minute after Till was left inside alone with Bryant, and he saw no uh, inappropriate behavior and heard no lecherous conversation, That quote-unquote. Wright said Till paid for his items, and we left the store together. One of the other boys ran across the street to tell Curtis Jones what happened in the store, and when the older man with whom Jones was playing checkers heard the story, he urged the boys to leave quickly, fearing violence. Bryant told others of the events at the store and the story spread quickly. Bryant, the woman. Mm-hmm. Jones said Till declined to tell his Uncle Moe's right, fearing they would get in trouble. Yikes. So he basically begged them not to. So they all agreed nobody was going to tell Moe's right. Oh my God. So a few days passed and they think they're in the clear. Right. By this like time, they're like, okay, it just kind of. Yeah. It blew over. Right. In the early hours between 2 a.m. and 3.30 a.m., Roy Bryant and his half-brother, who at the time, they had been out of town. And then they get back in town and she tells them the story. I don't know if she told them, but other people that might have heard the the whistling and then... Oh, what, no. Yeah. Roy Bryant and his half-brother, John William, or J.W. Millam, drove to Moe's Wright's house, armed with a pistol. This is 2 what? o'clock in the morning. 2 o'clock in the morning. Also, back then, they didn't even have to see the encounter. Right. People you just, just had- would hear about it and then say they were there and saw it. Right. It turned into a whole thing. Right. Which is evidenced by everything that occurs afterwards. Yeah. And they're... So grabbed a pistol. Yeah, they have a pistol and flashlight. They ask Wright if he had had three boys in the house from Chicago. Till was sharing a bed with another cousin. There were eight people in the small two-bedroom cabin. Jeez. Milam, which... So I got this off of Wikipedia, just to let you know. Uh-huh. But the account of Moses' son, and I can't remember what his name is, but he 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 actually um, wrote a book, and he said it was a pretty big house. 
Oh, really? It, he said it wasn't as small as they made it sound like a shack. And they he said oh. it wasn't as big as as small as, you know, it comes across when everybody's talking about it. But also they were young. So I don't know. Everything looks bigger when you're young. <laughs> right. There were eight people in the small two bedroom cabin. Milam asked Wright to take them to the N word who did the talking. Till's great aunt offered the men money, but Milam refused. He rushed Emmett to put on his clothes. Mose Wright informed the men that Till was from up north and didn't know any better. Can Milam, I sidebar for a yeah. second? When you were watching the documentaries, did they say the N-word in the documentaries? No, okay, didn't. good. They didn't. I just want to know if they were respectful or if they would actually say yeah. it. Unless it was a first-hand account from the actual right. person that was there. Yeah. Okay. And I don't want to say it. No. Milam reportedly then asked, how old are you, preacher? To which Wright responded, 64. Milam threatened that if Wright told anybody, he wouldn't live to see 65. Holy moly. The men marched Till out of the out to the truck. Wright said he heard them ask someone in the car if he, if this was the boy. And then they heard someone say yes. When asked if the, if the voice was that of a man or a woman, Wright said it seemed like it had a lighter voice than that of a man's. But all the accounts that come out of it later say that there was no woman. Mm. But that's what he heard. Mm. He heard a woman's voice. They tied up Till in the back of a green pickup truck and drove toward Money, Mississippi. According to some witnesses, they took Till back to Bryant's groceries and recruited two black men. The men then drove to a barn and drew. This is where they end up pistol whipping him. They knocked him unconscious. Willie Reed, who was 18 years at the time, saw the truck passing by. Reed recalled seeing two white men in the front seat and two black males in the back. Some have speculated that the two black men worked for Milam and were allegedly forced to help with the beating, which they denied. How can you feel good? Black, white, brown, green, I don't know. But how can you feel good about, I've never hit another human being. Like, punching them, pistol whipping them, stabbing them, anything. How can that feel good to somebody? It's so gross just to think about. I'm like one of those people that overthinks anybody. I do. Everything. So like if I did something like that, I feel like it would just like haunt me. It would haunt the heck out of me. And and I'm a visual. So when you're reading this, I'm, I visualize everything. And it's just like, ugh. I'll I just have to can't. show you a picture in a little while. And it's pretty brutal. I just can't. It's too much. It's, yeah. Just makes me too sad. I just, I don't know how people can be so violent. Human beings. Hateful. Violent, hateful. There's no reason for it. It's gross. Animals, when they fight, it's it's how they have to be to survive or they they eat another animal because that's how they survive it's how they right. live but there's, we it's are not, not a caste system where it's no. the smaller animals we hate those smaller animals no. like let's get that guy because he's different from it, they don't it's it's not we it's, are the we only are the animal most that animals yeah we are <laughs> it just makes me sick and sad so anyways but this is good by the way is it i've way out drank you already yeah you have Sorry. I'll catch up to you in a minute. <laughs> Willie Reed said while walking home, he heard the beating and crying from the barn. He told a neighbor they both walked back up the road to a water well near the barn where they were approached by Milam. Milam asked if they heard anything. Reed responded no. Of course he's going to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, others passed by the shed and heard yelling. A local neighbor also spotted too tight Leroy Collins. They, I guess they called him too tight. Too tight. 
at the back of the barn washing blood off the truck and noticed Till's boot. Milam explained he had killed a deer and that the boot belonged to him. Moe's Wright stayed on his front porch for 20 minutes, waiting for Till to return. He did not go back to the bed, and he and another man went into money, got gasoline, and drove around trying to find Till. Oh, that's so sad. Unsuccessful, they returned home by 8 a.m. I'm just, all this time I'm just thinking of the mom. Because mom, I was just thinking the same thing. Because you're, think of all the time that your kids have said, I'm going to go hang out with my friends yeah. or whatever. And all you do is just pray for them. Oh, because yeah. that's all you can do. And every time you hear sirens, yes. what do you think of? Yes. Like, oh my God, please be okay. Please yes. be okay. Oh, yeah. So no. I can't even, like. No. And she knew. She told him what it was like out there. Yeah. Like, please don't go. Yeah. Mm-mm. Her mommy instincts were right. So right. Terribly right. Mm-hmm. After hearing from Wright that he would not call the police because he feared for his life, Curtis Jones placed a call to LaFleur County Sheriff and another to his mother in Chicago. Distraught, she called Emmett's mother, Mamie. Um, Wright and his wife, Elizabeth, drove to Sumner, where Elizabeth's brother contacted the sheriff. Bryant and Milam were questioned by LaFleur County Sheriff George Smith, and they admitted they had taken the boy from his great uncle's yard, but claimed they had released him the same night in front of Bryant's store. Bryant and Milam were arrested for kidnapping. Word got out that Till was missing. Those assholes. So, you oh, and back then, all they had to do was say, no, we, we, we don't we know anything. Yeah. We didn't do anything. Also, let me just say that they weren't well-liked, the two brothers. They oh. weren't well-liked. By anybody. Oh, really? White or black. Hmm. So then Medgar Evers, um, the Mississippi State, and I'm sure you've heard that name before. Have you ever, uh, was it the Ghost of Mississippi? I think it was that. Oh, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Um, So he was the state field secretary for the NWACP, Mm, and mm Amzie Moore, mm -hmm. head of the Bolivar County chapter became involved. They disguised themselves as cotton pickers and went into the cotton fields in search of any information that might help find Till. Holy cow, they went deep in. Yeah. Three days after his abduction and murder, Till's swollen and disfigured body (gasps) was found by two boys who were fishing in the Tallahatchie River. Mm -mm. His head was very badly mutilated. He had been shot above the right ear. And and just like he'd been in the water for several days already. So, of course, he was also bloated from just Mm -hmm. that waterlogged. And I was dislodged from one socket. No. There was evidence that he had been beaten on the back and the hips, and his body was weighted by a fan blade, Mm-mm. which was fastened around his neck with a barbed wire. He was nude, but wearing a silver ring with the initials LT. So oh, other than he was so disfigured that they what? couldn't, they, just looking at him, it didn't look like Emmett. The but only way that they, they could, the ring. yeah, the only way they could identify him was the ring that was still on his finger. May 25th, 1943 was also carved into the ring. His face was unrecognizable due to the trauma and having been submerged in the water. Mm -hmm. Moe's Wright was called to the river to identify Till. The silver lining that Till was wearing the ring and it was removed and returned to Wright the next and next passed on to the district attorney as evidence. Till's body was clothed, packed in lime, placed in a pine coffin and prepared for burial. Now get this. It may have been embalmed while in Mississippi. They prepared, I think it was the sheriff. This is from watching the documentaries. He was basically, we're going to have a funeral today. Forget about the mom? Yeah. Forget about his family? Yeah. And so, <gasps> because they just wanted to hurry up and bury him and get it over and get with. It over and with. Hush, hush it. Yeah. No. Basically. So his mom was like, nah, 
Mm. I want my son. So like she went through all these different channels and she finally gets her son. Thank God. So they send his body off to um, Chicago. Yeah. Don't double whammy her like that. Yeah. And a doctor never examined his body in any way, shape or form. So his body arrives at the A.A. Rayner funeral home in Chicago. And upon arrival, his mother insisted on viewing it to make positive identification. Oh. She was just like, because you've got to see your baby. Yeah, I they were like, no, to. no, you don't want to see him. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see him. I'd have to. And she was like, she, you know, stilled herself and just said, no, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And because you won't believe it, that it's them until you see them. Right. And also, she said in the documentary that, like, in order to get the body, they had to sign something saying that they would leave the the box closed that nobody would open the box what and she was like uh no i don't think so she's like give me a crowbar give me a hammer i will open this box myself mm-hmm. because i didn't sign anything mm-hmm. and the guy that owns the More funeral time. home he says go home go to sleep think about it we'll open the box yeah because he doesn't want that to be the last image of her son in her head I'm right sure well, and she, but she still came and she well, yeah, viewed his body. Because we're moms and that's what we, we have to have that. Yeah. So but. I can't even imagine. And I guess the stench from it was so noticeable that Ugh. he could, it, you could smell it from blocks away. Just walking up to the mortuary, you could smell it. Mm-mm. She said, there was no way I could describe what was in that box. Mm. No way. I just wanted the world to see. Tens of thousands of people line the street. Okay. So here's another thing. So the mortician, of course, says, do you want us to fix them up a little, you know, mm-hmm. or do you want us to have a closed casket? And she's like, no, leave him as he is. I'd say I want everybody to see what happened. And that decision was something that like they say that this kind of sparked the whole civil rights movement. Ooh. This was one of the sparks that one of the things, all the steps mm-hmm. that happened in the the next few years that just kind of like lit things up. Anyways, tens of thousands of people lined the street outside the mortuary to view Till's body. And days later, thousands more attended his funeral at Robert's Temple Church of God in Christ. Photographs of his mutilated corpse circulated around the country, notably appearing in Jet Magazine and the Chicago Defender, both black publications, generated intense public reaction. According to The Nation, and Newsweek, Chicago's black community was aroused as it had not ever been over any other similar act in recent history. Oh, so like you said, it, it riled everybody up. Yeah, because most of the time they could, you know, you read something in a newspaper, but they didn't have pictures to go mm-hmm. with it. You, you could say, ah, uh, that's just, those are stories. Right. Those are stories from the South. Those, you know, it's it's probably not as bad as they say it is. And this just like everybody was he up in arms. He did not die in vain. He didn't. No. Time later selected one of the jet photographs showing Mamie Till over the mutilated body of her dead son as one of the 100 most influential images of all time. For almost a century, African Americans were lynched with regularity and impunity. Now, thanks to a mother's determination, this was from time, to expose the barbarousness of the crime, the public could no longer pretend to ignore what they couldn't see. And I don't care if he whistled at this lady. I don't even care if he actually, you know, put his hands on her or anything he didn't deserve any of this no i will tell you something the their white friends could rape a woman and not get any torn apart like that or any kind of punishment for that matter even today no even today it's like a lot of times it's just a slap on the wrist especially if you have a lot of money oh i'm listening to the harvey weinstein oh okay i'm watching it on court tv and 
it's a female attorney for him and she's making it the woman like well were you wearing a low-cut dress were you wearing like all about what the woman's wearing it's it's it's, it doesn't matter what you're wearing it's just gross no you i can go out there wearing the shortest dress and low-cut shirt and and it still wouldn't be your fault no nobody gets to touch me if i don't want them to exactly all right so of course i kind of wish i did drink According to historian Stephen Whitfield, a specific brand of xenophobia in the South was particularly strong in Mississippi. Whites were urged to reject the influence of Northern opinion and agitation. What does this sound like to you? This independent attitude was profound enough in Tallahatchie County that it earned the nickname the Free State of Tallahatchie. According to a former sheriff, because people here do what they damn well please, making the county often difficult to govern. Tallahatchie County Sheriff Clarence Strider, who initially positively identified Till's body and stated that the case against Milam and Bryant was pretty good, on September 3rd, he announced his doubts that the body pulled from the Tallahatchie River was that of Till. Fake news. Come Where on. have you heard that Give before? Um, yeah. He speculated that the boy was probably still alive. Oh, jeez. Strider suggested that the recovered body had been planted by the NWACP. Oh, my A God. corpse stolen by T.R.M. Howard, who colluded to place Till's ring on it. Gina, yeah, they went through all of that. so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we have gone backwards. Haven't We've we? totally gone backwards. Listen. You can do a shot when you're done. I am. I have okay. tequila. Okay. In the fridge. That sounds perfect. Okay. All right. Bryant and Milam were indicted for murder. The state's prosecuting attorney, Hamilton Caldwell, was not confident that he could get a conviction on any case of white violence against a black male accused of insulting a white woman. A local black paper was surprised at the indictment and praised the decision, as did the New York Times. Mm. This trial was held in the county courthouse in Sumner, the western seat of Tallahatchie County, because Till's body was found in that area. Sumner had one boarding house. The small town was besieged by reporters from all over the country. One boarding house. Like, where did everybody stay? (laughs) In a two-room apartment. Yeah. (laughs) David Halberstam called the trial the first great media event of the civil rights movement. Mm. The day before the start of the trial, a young black man named Frank Young arrived to tell Howard he knew of two witnesses to the crime, Levi, too tight, which we heard. Yes, I've heard, yeah. Collins and Henry Lee Loggins, who were black employees of Leslie Milam, J.W.'s brother, in whose shed Till was beaten. Collins and Loggins were spotted with J.W. Milam, Bryant, and Till. The prosecution team was unaware of Collins and Loggins, so they hadn't, this hadn't been disclosed to them. Um, Sheriff Strider, who, like, I, I kid you not, like, if you watch these documentaries, because they have a lot of the old footage of him, he was your stereotypical, he was Boss Hog. Boss Hog, oh, I was just going to say. <laughs> he was totally Boss, boss Hog. Hog. Yeah. Yep. So he locked them in the Charleston, Mississippi jail to keep them from testifying. <gasps> Can I just say, you know how I try and explain to people, like, we have a birth date and a death date. And now our death date, nothing's by accident. Right. And as horrible as it is how he died, he stirred something up when he died. Like it, like you said, it started the whole civil rights thing. If it was his mom was strong enough to handle everything yes. and to get us going and to stir up the hoopla. Yep, definitely. So it had I to agree. be him. I agree. And it sounds terrible, but it had to be him. All right. So the, it just it that kills was his me. soul's it purpose. Kills me. It kills me that he's 
like this 14 year old boy like i think of no. think Little of your kids. boys at 14 no i look it's at these pictures that pop up on facebook no. like several years They're ago so when they were 14 little. and they still have their baby face yep and yep. if you look at a picture of him, he still has a baby face. Yep. And they're so they're just so young, naive. All right. So the trial was held in in September 1955 and lasted for five days. I'm sorry, I kind five of have days. a little bit of a sore throat. So attendees remembered that the weather was very hot. The courtroom was filled to capacity with 280 spectators, and people were even like looking in the windows. Five days doesn't seem very long. No, it wasn't. Black attendees sat in the segregated sections. Of course. Press from major national newspapers attended, including black publications. Black reporters were required to sit in the segregated black section. Oh my god. Away from the white press. Because they so, might get some on them. Right. So anywhere else in the country, they <laughs> could sit where they want. And then when they come to the South, they have to abide by these segregational. It's just disgusting. This, this fucking Jim Crow shit. Right, right. You know what? Can I just say something? I sometimes wonder, like, I'm very thankful today that I'm white. Like, I feel for people who are of any color. Right. And right now in today's age, how hard it is. And I don't know if people appreciate their color. They don't. They don't. They take it for granted. The fact that you can go to a grocery store and walk in a grocery store without somebody following you around thinking you're going to put stuff, even when the simple thing of getting um, pulled over, getting pulled over. But a man today held the door open for me at Circle K. Right. And and I was like, thank you. And he's like, you're welcome, sweetie. He was a black man. He was probably stunned that I looked him in the eye and said, thank you. And the fact that he was able to say, you're welcome, sweetie. Right. And I didn't go, what? How dare you? You know, I, right. I thought he was so endearing and so sweet. But I feel like we've taken 500 steps back. Right. And it's um, well, I it's think just a lot a of this time. was just under the surface anyways. It was. It was, already, it was it still was. there. And and from what I hear, you know, from spirit knowledge is it had to be brought to the surface so that it can be dealt with. Again. And, yes. Again and again and again, because we don't learn from history. No, what happens is we had gotten comfortable with where it had gotten. Right. So it had gotten to a point like we think, oh, progress. And then we get okay with that. And so we had gotten complacent. Right. And now it is... But I don't think, I think people in the black community will probably see that differently because they probably have been like, it's been there all along. It's been, we no, know it, it has, but it has been there the whole time, but not to the, to the point where we can drink out of the same water fountains and right. we can go to the same school. That's progress. We've made some progress. Right. But we got complacent right. thinking that, wow, look at, okay, so everybody's good now. Okay, cool. Let's just go about our lives. Like a black man can be a lawyer now. A black man can, you know, like, like that's okay. Right. Like everybody should be, should, so should we, we should be okay with that. It is not okay. And so what happened was with this whole turn of events that's happening now, it's like, it's been brought to the surface to say, no, you guys have more to work to do. Right. It is not okay. It's time to get angry again, protest again, fight for your rights again. Women, men, children, everybody needs to fight for equal rights. It's, for you know, everybody. Yeah, for everybody. Everybody. Equal rights for everybody. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. But that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. We got very complacent with what right. the achievements that happened. And he, this young 14 year old boy and his mother are part of where we we got at one point the unfortunate thing is we kind of fell backwards through all of this coming to the surface right. like like it was okay because some people 
made it okay to to be for all the cockroaches to come out of the woodwork again. Yeah, he made it, they made it. <laughs> they uh, uh made it acceptable. Right. Like that behavior is no, acceptable. I agree. All right, sorry. No, it's okay. So anyways, I, was ta- I just kind of laid out what was going on in the courtroom. Um, the defense sought to cast doubt on the identity of the body pulled from the river. They said it could not be positively identified, which is bullshit. His mother identified. Right. Well, his Wait. uncle. Oh. And his mom. Because she opened. Because he had the ring on. Yes. I mean, who else had that ring? Like, yeah. who would know to take that one thing off of his body so they no. could plant? Come on. It's no. just. That's just so stupid. Plus, you know your kid. Um, they said it could not be positively identified, and they questioned whether Till was dead at all. Mm-mm. This is this is Mm-mm. the defense. Mm-mm. The defense also asserted that although Bryant and Milam had taken Till from his great uncle's house, they had released him that night. The defense attorney attempted to prove that Mose Wright, who was addressed as Uncle Mose by the prosecution and Mose by the defense, could not identify Bryant and Milam as the men who took Till from the cabin. They noted that only Milam's flashlight had been used in that, that night and no other lights in the house were turned on. Which is mind-boggling, like, because they had pretty much already said, yeah, we took the boy and we released him. But they're trying to say that his uncle couldn't identify it. Like, it's just like, it's the worst kind of gaslighting. They noted that only Milam's flashlight had been used in the, used that night and no other lights in the house were turned on. Milam and Bryant had identified themselves to Wright the evening they took Till. Wright said that he had only seen Milam clearly. Wright's testimony was considered remarkably courageous because he said, that's him right there, oh basically. Okay. It may have been the first time in the South that a black man had des- testified oh, to the up. guilt of a white man yeah. in court and lived. Yes, yeah. And most of them... I think would be terrified. Well, a lot of them were. A yeah. lot of them were. I mean, because they'd get a, a house on fire or crucifix in the front yard and hung. Worse. Yeah. Mamie Till Bradley testified that she had instructed her son to watch his manners in Mississippi and that should a situation ever come to his being asked to get on his knees and ask forgiveness of a white person, he should do it without the thought. That's what. She, that's the advice that she gave her son. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine telling your child something no. like that? Mm-mm. No. Again. I wait. I would tell my child the opposite. Right. But that's my privilege. I mean, we're very, we are very blessed. One, we're blessed to be born in this day and age, to be honest. But we're also very blessed to be who we are. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And also, like, when you think about poor and rich, we're not rich. But well, we're not poor compared to some countries. Yeah. <laughs> say well <laughs> even even people in our country but, that live in pop- poverty yeah they don't live in a shack with a dirt floor they they probably have running water it might not be the greatest water yeah i mean some i mean maybe in very rural them, areas I mean, or but compared to other countries i mean yeah i mean we really are that's why i try and teach people like every day Say three things you are thankful for because there's somebody out there who has it way worse. I have a very uncomfortable bed, but I have a bed. Right. I have a very severe <laughs> leak in my roof, but I have a roof over my head. Right. There's somebody out there who doesn't. Right. Sometimes it's hard to buy food, but the, the, I have food. We Some of the things that we complain about are things people don't have. Exactly. Other people don't have. Exactly. I mean, I have, a t- I have TVs. I have electricity, I have water, I have 
I have way more things that I mean, look, I have way more things than I need. Right. So, yes, there are people who have nothing. So literally you, nothing. Like they don't always, know what they're going to feed their kids. No. And when I had I had a client and I asked her to tell me three things that she was thankful for and she couldn't. And I'm like, Connor Aiden Alley right, right there. Like if you have children and you can't tell me three things that you're thankful for and you have three children, you have a problem there. Right. Like you are not thinking. You're not thinking. But anyway, okay, so sorry. It's okay. Uh, let's see. All right, so I was talking about uh, Mamie Till Bradley. T- she testified that she had instructed her son to watch his manners in Mississippi. Okay, so the whole thing about getting on his knees, that he should do it. The defense questioned her identification of her son in the casket in Chicago hmm. and a $400 life insurance policy she had taken out on him, basically. Oh, like, sh- oh, yeah. no. Like, she's saying, well, that is my son because she has a, a $400. And why did she take out this insurance policy? policy? Come on. Well, if my son is black and going to the South at that time, I'd be doing the same thing. But I doubt she did it right before then I either. don't think so either. In the concluding statements, one prosecuting attorney said that what Till did was wrong, but that his action warranted a spanking, not a murder. Oh my God. That was that was the prosecuting attorney. What? <laughs> Gerald Chatham passing it. And and his mom kind of like she she oh if he cat called yeah girl like at least right. give him a little a little slap instead of beating the shit out of him and killing him yeah okay I hear you Gerald Chatham passionately yeah. called for justice and mocked the sheriff and doctor statements that alluded to a conspiracy oh my. the defense stated that the prosecution's theory of the events the night Till was murdered was impo- improbable and said the jury's forefathers would turn over in their graves oh if they convicted Bryant and Milam oh. only three outcomes were possible in Mississippi for capital murder life imprisonment the death penalty or acquittal on September 23rd the all-white all-male jury both women and blacks had been banned acquitted both defendants after and not to mention you had to be a registered voter to be part of a jury and that and they not in Mississippi acquitted both defendants after a 67 minute deliberation and the jurors said if we had stopped to drink pop it would have taken it wouldn't have taken that long oh assholes Mm-mm. In later interviews, the jurors acknowledged that they knew Bryant and Milam were guilty. What? But simply did not believe that the imprisonment or the death penalty were fit punishment for whites who had killed black men. Oh, because they have. Oh, my God. Yeah. But two. Yeah. Because they didn't consider them equal I or human. Like it. They just didn't like. I just don't get it. They said two jurors said as late as 2005 that they had believed the defense's case. They said that the prosecution had not proved that Till had died, nor, oh my God, (laughs) that it was his body that was removed from the river. What? Yeah. So how easy it is for people to lie and disseminate this fake information and people just they go with that they eat it up i mean it's going on now right in november 1955 the grand jury declined to indict bryant and milam for kidnapping and despite their own admissions of having taken till mose wright and a young man named willie reed who testified to seeing milam enter the shed from which screams and blows were heard both testified in front of the grand jury after the trial trm howard paid the cost of relocating to chicago for wright reed and another black witness who testified against Against Milam and Bryant in order to protect the three witnesses from reprisals for having testified. What the hell? Get, mm-hmm. get this. Mm-mm. So they, 
Milam and Bryant, they strike a deal with Look Magazine in 1956 to tell their story to journalists. Oh my God, now they're going to make money. William Bradford no. Huey, and they made like $3,604,000. The interview took place in a law firm of the attorneys who had defended Bryant and Milam. Huey did not ask the questions Bryant and Milam's own attorneys did. Neither what? attorney had heard their clients' accounts of the murder before. They didn't even what? Think to ask them. They just... Bl- just... Believed them and took yeah, their case. Yeah, on face value. Oh, my God. Because they're white. Well, of course. Especially in Mississippi. Oh, my God. According to Huey, the older Milam was more articulate and more sure of himself than the other younger Bryant. Milam admitted to shooting Till, and neither of them believed they were guilty. In this interview, they oh, admit that they shot him. Double doesn't exist, yeah, exactly. so they're free to totally. say whatever they want. Exactly. Double jeopardy. And neither of them believed they were guilty or that they had done anything wrong. Because... You know, they didn't place any value on the life right. of a black person. You know what? If you peel our skin off and we're just skeletons with muscle and blood and veins, you can't tell what color we are. Exactly. We're all the same. We are all the same. <laughs> Reaction to Huey's interview with Bryant and Milam was explosive. Their brazen admission that they had murdered Till caused prominent civil rights leaders to push the federal government harder to investigate the case. Till's murder contributed to the congressional passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1957. It authorized the U.S. Department of Justice to intervene in local law enforcement issues when individual civil rights were being compromised. Mm. Huey's interview in which Milam and Bryant said they had acted alone overshadowed inconsistencies Mm -hmm. in earlier versions of the story, uh, in particular um, the fact that Mose Wright had said that he heard a woman's voice, but in in their testimony, in this account that they gave, they basically said it was just them two. Oh, damn. Yep. So, because she wasn't going to be covered by Double Jeopardy. If right. you think about that. Right, right, right. Um, after Bryant Milam admitted to Huey that they had killed Till, the support base of the two men eroded in Mississippi, even the white people, which they weren't very popular. Mm-hmm. Many of their former friends and supporters, including those who had contributed to their defense funds, cut them off. Blacks boycotted their nice. shops, nice. which caused them to go bankrupt. Nice. And because they did their shop basically appealed to the sharecroppers. They'd mm. Karma will always figure out a way to get you. Not enough than in, in their case. Yep. So they had to close the store. Banks refused mm. to grant them loans and nice. plant crops to plant crops. And after struggling to secure a loan and find someone who would rent to him, Milam managed to secure two seven hundred and seventeen acres and four thousand dollar loan to plant cotton. But blacks refused to oh, work good. for him. He was forced to pay whites higher wages. <laughs> Eventually Milam and Bryant relocated to Texas. But their infamy followed them, and they continued to generate extreme extreme animosity from locals. After several years, they returned to Mississippi, where even there they were still like castigated. I love it. I love it. Um, Till's mother, Mary, married Jean Mobley, became a teacher, changed her surname to Till Mobley. She continued to educate people about her son's murder. Aww. I didn't put it here, but I believe she passed away in 2003. Aww. I'm glad that she used it for he didn't die in vain. Yeah. He and didn't I think die that was vain. her main focus was right. to make sure that nobody else 
how to go through what she went through. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot did, but her son paved the way. Something, yeah. yeah. Till Mobley had the opportunity to listen while Bryant was interviewed about his involvement in Till's murder. With Bryant's uh, Bryant unaware that Till Mobley was listening, he asserted that Till had ruined his life, expressed no remorse, and said, "Emmett Till is dead. I don't know why he can't just stay dead." What a piece of shit. Yeah. In 2004, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that it was reopening the case to determine whether anyone who, other than Mylan and Bryant, was involved. David T. Beto, a professor at the University of Alabama, states that Till's murder has this mythic quality like the Kennedy assassination. The D- Department of Justice had undertaken uh, to investigate numerous cold cases dating to the civil rights movement in the hope of finding new evidence in other murders as well Hmm. the body was exhumed and the cook county coroner conducted an autopsy in 2005 using dna from till's relatives dental Hmm. comparisons to the images taken of till and anthropological analysis the exhumed body was positively identified as if as if they needed to prove yes but you know what it's kind of like the final last word but it just drives me crazy that's all right they had to disturb his body to do this it's just his body not a soul (sighs) okay (laughs) <laughs> it had extensive cranial damage, a broken left femur, two broken wrists, metallic fragments found in his skull were consistent with bullets being fired from a forty-five caliber gun. I hope his body shut down before he had to actually feel I hope so too. all that pain. Like, even when his mom was talking about mm-hmm. the story and... Uh, I watched a couple of interviews that she did and she, and each time like in that part she was just like Mm-mm. did they have to shoot him after everything else that they did to him mm-hmm. like they had to shoot him too all right in February 2007 a LaFleur County grand jury composed primarily of black jurors and impaneled by Joyce Childs a black hmm. prosecutor found no credible basis for Bo Camp's claim that 14 people took part in Till's abduction and murder so uh, i i left that part out of here because as i was um choosing stuff to put oh, in here there's lots of different yeah there was versions. yeah there was yeah there was mm-hmm. somebody that was writing a book this um Bo camp who basically like did all of this investigating and said that there was all these other people that were also involved in the murder mm-hmm. so and that's why all this came about mm. So uh, anyway, so they they found that there was no basis to believe that no credible basis for Bo Camp's claim that 14 people took part in Till's abduction and murder. Bo Camp was angry with the finding David Beto and Juan Williams, who worked in the reading materials for the Eyes and the Prize documentary, were critical of Bo Camp's for trying to revise history and taking attention away from other cold cases. Hmm. The grand jury failed to find sufficient cause for charges against Carolyn Bryant Donham. Neither the FBI nor the grand jury found any credible credible evidence that Henry Lee Loggins, identified by Bocamp as a suspect who could be charged, had any role in the crime. So, in 2017, author Timothy Tyson released details of a 2008 interview with Carolyn Bryant. This is, so in 2017, he releases this. Holy but cow. he interviewed her in 2008. And I, I remember seeing this in the news a couple years ago, mm-hmm. a few years ago. I, and I remember being enraged, like, <laughs> seriously, lady, really, like now. During which she declo- disclosed that she had fabricated the <gasps> most sensational part of her what? testimony. Tyson said during the interview, Bryant retracted her testimony that Till had grabbed her around the waist or uttered obscene obscenities saying that part's not true. In 2000. In the 2008 interview, the 72-year-old Bryant said she could not remember the rest of the events that occurred between her and Till in the grocery store. 
What? It was so uneventful. Like she couldn't remember any of that. Like the, a, this a spark died exactly because of your. She also said nothing that that boy did ever could justify what happened to him. Mm-mm. Which one of the things that I saw in the documentary was like right after the acquittal of these guys. Mm-hmm. They're like these reporters are asking them questions and they're filming them mm-hmm. and they're like both happy and they like just start making out with their wives, which Ew. was just disgusting. Yeah, it was disgusting. Anyways, that was that was my take on that. Um. Anyways, I'm going to have to watch the documentary. An editorial in the New York Times said regarding Brian's admission that portions of her testimony were false. This admission is a reminder of how black lives were sacrificed to white lies in place, places like Mississippi. It also raises, raises anew the question of why no one was brought to justice in the most notorious racially motivated murder of the 20th century, despite an extensive investigation by the FBI. And then I just put this uh, quote from Merle Evers at Medgar Evers' wife, somehow Till's death and trial struck a spark of indignation that ignited the protests around the world. It was the murder of the 14-year-old out-of-state visitor that touched off a worldwide clamor and cast the glare of the world spotlight on Mississippi's racism. Mm. So that was the story of Emmett Till. And, and it's, there were, like, this is way longer than anything I've ever done before on yeah. the show. That was worth it, though. And I cut out so much. So, yeah, definitely there's documentaries out there on all you have to do is put in Emmett Till and you'll find them. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. So many like him, though. So many. Drink your tequila. Oh, my God. (laughs) Drink, drink. Oh, she did the whole thing. Oh, is it gross? I like that tequila, though. Is it bad? No. Whew. She okay. did it though. She yeah. did a big shot. She's a big girl. I did. It's not as smooth no, it's as not. Don Julio. Oh, no, 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 no. But it's definitely not as expensive either. <laughs> <laughs> Don Julio's my my oh. preferred. Yes. We need to get some more of that. Yeah. I still have I still oh. have that bottle. Oh, we might have to have another Don Julio night. Yeah. <laughs> or just we'll start a show with a little shot of Don right. Julio. We don't need to have the whole yeah. show Don Julio. I have been Whew. because we were supposed to do this this what last week. Yeah, we were supposed to record this. Week. So I was already researching last week and I've been literally listening to documentaries and podcasts and reading about this all week this oh, week. No, like I'd in the so background depressed. trying to get stuff done. That stuff makes me so sad. Yeah. But it also fires me up. Yeah. Well, and and it's like like one of those things like, you know, we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded. It's that we have to put it at the forefront of people's. This is this is what we don't want to go back to. We are there. We are there. But at the same time, we don't want to go that We we don't want to go that far back. Right. I mean, it's terrible. But yeah, we're very fortunate. Yeah, we're very fortunate. It just makes me sad. All right. All right. So I gave you my depressing story. It's time for you to lighten things up. A little. My story. My story is fun, though, even though it is kind of a lot. It's not. There's a lot of little stories, but I'm not doing all the little stories. Okay. By the way. I love your hair. I got my hair cut by Debbie. At In style. In style. Okay. In style. Um, at 59th Avenue and Greenway. But Debbie, you can go in and say, do whatever you want, and you can trust that she'll do something amazing. Right. She's also amazing with color is she honestly if you want just a natural color she'll do a great job if you want 
pink, purple, rainbows, whatever. She's so good with color. Yeah, I want my mom to go see her because my mom, you know, even my hair is starting to thin, but my mom's really thin and she's letting it grow out. And I'm like, you need to go see Debbie and just let her work her magic because she's just really talented at that. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. That's me in style 59th avenue and green way all right all right Nothing we just plugged me. debbie plugged her she deserves it she's so good she does she did a good job in here all right anyway again with the black history month i decided because you said you were doing yours on emmett till yeah I decided to do mine on a plantation. I looked up a few plantations and I decided to do it on the Myrtles plantation. And when you told me, I was like, I'm so excited because I love this story. I've been wanting to do it for a while. I know. I hope I do it justice. Jump in if you want. I just might. Mm. (laughs) Honestly. This is good. It is good. I really like it. We just switched over to the rosé. Yeah, we're gonna Which is to better pour. than the other one. Maybe I'll use that one for cooking. Yeah, that's a nice... Cooking wine, like yeah. chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this story has a lot of variations because it's like legend has it. it. There's a lot of legends behind right. it. And it also, it was owned by a lot of people. And so I'm just going to try and stick with the, the main story, the haunting part of it. Okay. Okay, um, it's, uh, oh, my, listen, that is not EVPs you hear. That's because I've been guzzling this wine. <laughs> I have to catch up to you, but I, I'm pretty sure that shot's going to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty buzzed. Oh my God, I feel so much better now. That was, that was like heavy. That was heavy. That was heavy. All right, so anyway, it's in St. Francisville. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. Oh, Louisiana. Okay, can I just say, though, you know those three guys? Shit, what is their name? We've, we've spoken about them before. Manny, Mo, and Jack? <laughs> they act like that. <laughs> They're three guys. They've, they've done other plantations. They have a show. Oh, the oh, Ghost Guys yeah. or something. What is yeah. their name? Oh, my God. Ghost Brothers. Ghost Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They're hilarious. But anyway, I'm pretty sure they were on there. But they did another plantation that I was thinking about. And then I found the Myrtles. And it caught my eye. Anyway, it's now a and b Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I think I did. I think I did. Cause I wish, I, cause I wish a lot we of... were rolling in money, man. Because I'd be like, let's go. Let's go <laughs> check these places out. There's I'm so many crazy you. places. All right. It was um, originally built in 1796. That's really old. That's really old. Yeah. By General David Bradford back in back when it was known as Laurel Grove. Laurel Grove? Yeah, it wasn't known as the Myrtles. Okay. I think the Myrtles has to do with something about the plants or okay. something out there. Anyways, the mansion has had many families passed through it up until 1817 when it came to Clark Woodruff. They spell his name W-O-O-D-R-O-F-F. Okay. Woodruff. No. Anyway, but they also spell it with a U-F-F. Anyway, people spell it different. They they mention that oh, in this. Woodruff. Yeah. Woodruff. They mention Yeah. <laughs> Woodruff. But it is Woodruff. Okay. Anyway. And his wife, Sarah, the house was fairly normal until till these occupants. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I hate reading. I just like to know the story. I mean, basically, Mr. Woodruff had this 
very promiscuous, promiscuous side. I'm promiscuous. See, people, I'm, I'm, I'm tipsy. <laughs> tipsy. tipsy. Just like tales. our show. <laughs> All right. Anyway, he, I mean, listen, he liked to get it on with just about anybody. He but his wife, it sounds like. Yeah. So he, okay. So there's this slave, Chloe. Okay. And he's like, hey, Chloe, let's get it on. <laughs> And she's like, no way. You're gross. But then she's like, well, shit, if I don't get it on with him, I'm going to have to go work in the fields. Right. So she's like, I think I'm just going to get it on with him. So she becomes his mistress so that she doesn't have to work in the fields. Right. But then Chloe kind of gets a little weird because she decides that, um, you know, sometimes this happens. We as women... (laughs) She decides that she's going to listen in on all the family conversations. Mm-hmm. To me, that makes it sound like she ended up getting a little, um, a little more um, intimate and connected to him than she thought she would. Right? Like it's not about not working in the fields anymore, unless she felt threatened and was listening in on all the well, conversations. Yeah. Like because wanting to know what the heck was going to happen next. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. Maybe. And so she listened in on all the family, like any meetings or anything he was talking about with other people. Anyway, she ends up getting caught. And as punishment, he cuts off her left ear. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Gross. Anyway, so she now That's is, extreme. Yeah. It's disgusting, though, too. All right. He just disfigured her. Well. I mean, okay, it's her ear because she was listening. I get it. I get that. I mean, he was sending a message. Apparently. 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 <laughs> Somebody told me today that they listen to us when we say apparently. Was it yesterday? Anyway. <laughs> it was one of my clients. They're like, apparently. when you guys say apparently. <laughs> anyway yeah so i it was to send a message like hey not just to her no to everybody like i i run this plantation not you and you don't get to listen in on my conversations but anyway she decided she started to feel like there was a possibility that she was gonna have to go work in the fields again Mm -hmm. so she's like oh my god what am I going to do? I think I will get some of those oleanders and poison the family and then make them sick and I'll come to the rescue because I'll make them well again. Right. And then they'll be like so grateful that they won't ever want to put me in the fields. Yep. But um, she You don't want to mess with them oleanders. No. No. That's like cyanide. Yes. It's very... Listen, we have oleanders all over the place here in Arizona. Do you have any? Oh, my God. Growing up, the house mm-hmm. that we grew up in, mm-hmm. it was like completely surrounded by these huge, tall oleanders. And yeah. my once a month, my dad would make us go out and cut these freaking things. Those and my roots mom, are awful. And my mom would... Ha- like, she was... Wash your hands, wash yeah. your hands, wash your yeah. hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Like, she, yeah. was, she was so freaked out by the oleanders. They're very poisonous. Yeah. I mean, apparently. Apparently. Yeah, we <laughs> so, had the ones with the white flowers and the pink flowers. Yeah, my neighbor has them. They come They're over. pretty. They are pretty. And they provide great shade. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're great for that. But they're yeah. deadly. And they never die. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. No, they don't die. My dad like poured gasoline on them. Like yeah. all kinds of those. They they don't. I remember my father-in-law had all of us over. Of course, I think I was pregnant, so I didn't have to do any of the work. But like all the boys came over and they were like, 
digging the roots out because the roots go crazy and they get into all your plumbing and cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's she wants to be the hero, but what ends up happening is, okay, the legend is, the story goes that she ends up killing the mom and two of the little girls. Mm-hmm. When there was a mom and three daughters. So Mr. Woodruff had his wife, Sarah, and three daughters. And the story is the the servant's name was Chloe. And Chloe killed, on accident supposedly, killed the wife and three daughters. The other story is they all died of yellow fever. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Oh, I didn't there, know that side of it. Yeah. There's also a little sidebar. Just remember that one survives and then I'll tell you about her. But okay. So remember, there's also a story that they possibly all died of yellow fever. Okay. But anyway, this this story goes that Chloe, the mistress, poisons them with... Woo! Carlene, better take another drink. You're slurring. Alma, take another drink. You need to catch up. Yes, Alma. Anyway, poisons them with the oleanders. Oh, Wait. It was the oldest daughter's birthday. That's how she poisoned them. She made a birthday cake. Okay, this I do remember. I remember that. Gosh, what's wrong with me? I was just telling Albert that. I should tell the whole story. (laughs) Anyway, yes. So it was the oldest daughter's birthday. And Chloe decides she's going to make the birthday cake. And they they all ate the birthday cake. But only the mom, Sarah, and two of the daughters ended up dying not getting sick but dying so chloe Mm. is not the hero right but now all the other slaves are like bitch you're gonna get us all in trouble because he's gonna want to know who killed Uh uh-uh nope so they okay they threw her under the bus well yeah so what they the the main story that i hear heard was that the slaves took chloe themselves hung her from the tree there's a hanging tree and it actually still um to this day still has the marks on the branches from the where rope. people have been hung yeah oh my god anyway chloe was hung from the tree by the other slaves and then they like uh, put weights of some kind on her feet and threw her in the river. Okay, so that's that story. Yeah, that's the story we're going to tell. Okay. So that's what happened to Chloe. Wow. Yeah, but the the slaves didn't want, they didn't want to go down for Chloe's bullshit. They didn't bullshit. want repercussions for that. Right. So they were like, no, bitch, you're not taking us all down for your crazy right. craziness. So put so, a little bit too much oleander in that cake. Yeah. No, no, don't do that. Anyway, yeah, he got, he got, he definitely got, he got tired of Chloe. Anyway, he got real tired of her now. Apparently. 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 Anyway, let's see, since I'm not really reading my stuff. Um, so they, they were saying that Chloe's motives were, were like purely revenge for the Woodruff's, um, I mean, yes, it's revenge. For the ear thing? No, yeah, like. Why did she end up poisoning the mom and the daughters? Is it, was it revenge or was it that she wanted to be the hero? Right. I don't know. Maybe both. Like, could have been both. Anyway, and then they said, afraid that they would be blamed for the deaths, uh, the other slaves dragged Chloe into the courtyard and hanged her from the huge hanging tree. Yep. 
Wow. Can you imagine? Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm-mm. 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 Nope. Nope. Hanging anyway, another person. But hanging one of your own, too. Like you guys, well, you're all in the same situation. Yeah. And it's like, you I feel sh- like that should, whole one of your own is like, should all, all be human. sticking together. No, but, but one of your own is like, you're all slaves. You're all being right. in the same circumstance. So it's not even about being human. It's right. about like, listen, we got to stick together because we're all in this shitty position. Right. But she screwed them by do, by like going rogue. Like, yeah. first of all, you know, you want to, okay, we can understand you want to sleep with this guy because well, you don't, don't want to end up in the I fields, mean, she wasn't but... in a position like to want or not want, I think. If he wanted to have his way, he was going to have his way. Right? Yeah, but if she had denied him, all yeah. he would have done was thrown her out in the field right. okay. and then gotten somebody else. Yeah. So, But she was like, no, I want to live in the big house. So I'm going to go ahead and be his Mr. Garcicabega. Okay. Anyway, since Chloe's death, um, she can be seen with her, what? Her head shown most clear with green okay wait let me just tell you okay anyway since she died they say people say they can see so she she would wear like this green turban Mm -hmm. and then like these big like gold or some type of earrings Mm -hmm. and so when people spot her they say like ever since she died that's what they see yeah like even i think other people other slaves were, were like they could see they would spot her at times Did they catch they actually got a picture of her yeah so there's pictures of her um there's one that they got of her in between the two buildings uh-huh. like there's two buildings and there's her walking then there's one um there's one there's these like four women taking a you know a picture of the, themselves and she's in the window Oh my god. Yes. And then then get this. So the insurance company the the owners that have it now, they're like they need to get it insured. So the insurance company says, Okay, send us pictures of all the property without people if you can do that. So they're like, Of course. So they send take pictures and they send the pictures off to the insurance company. And the insurance company uh calls calls the owners and they're like, Okay, um, we asked you to send pictures of the property without people. And in um, one of the pictures, there's a person looking out the window. And they're like, there's no people. That's not, there were no people. Right. So Chloe was making the parents. She's known for being like mostly in the front of the place. So right. she like looks out the window and yeah. Creepy. Creepy. So she definitely hangs around. Definitely. So. But there's more. Okay. Okay. So, so because there's, there's been so many other owners too, like after, after this guy, um, I think it was, he died and Sarah, there was another, anyway, more people came in and out of that place. Um, there was a man that lived there who was, uh, he ended up getting, uh, murdered. He, I think he was part of like a whiskey, what do you call it? Um, yeah kind of like something like that and anyway he he was i think he ended up being some i don't know blah blah blah. i don't know what i'm talking about because i've had too much wine but anyway he ended up i think i wrote it down (laughs) i should read it um but anyway this man ended up okay so let me stop by saying this 
even Chloe, there's been like 11, uh, listen, I'm sure there were 500 slaves, if not more, on that property. And I'm sure many of them died. Right. They say there were like 10 or 11 people or 12 or whatever that died on that property. And then um, that there's only one that can be confirmed. And that's Chloe. No. No? No. Really? It's this man that I'm telling you about. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, okay, yeah. So let me see. Shadow wants to be part of our podcast. Yeah. She's going to start getting super vocal and <laughs> where this is what she does to me at night. You all will get to be a part of it. It says one is actually confirmed. His name is William Winters. Okay. So there are people, even on YouTube, you can hear EVPs. Right. But there are people that will hear the EVPs of like Winters or like his daughter or somebody coming through. But yeah, really? it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So was he a slave or was he a... Oh, he was one of Sarah. He was Sarah's husband. Oh, okay. Okay. So he died in Sarah's arms. Nobody knows who murdered him or why. But like he was shot in front of the house and he made it inside. And then he stumbled up to like the 17th. Sarah was the daughter. His wife. No, Sarah... But Sarah was the daughter. I'm trying to figure out who Sarah was. Well, Sarah Sorry. was married to the last guy, but then that guy died. And I oh, think she okay. was married. Okay. Or Mr. Winters. No, I think this guy came after the last guy. Okay. Anyway, um, so he made it to the 17th stair and then died in Sarah's arms. And Crazy. So when people get like EVPs, they'll hear somebody screaming. They will see um, apparitions on the stairs. They'll get, anyway, like, like it's him or her or whatever. And then also, did you know that whole plantation was on uh, Indian burial ground? Why is it that always, always. comes to, back to the Indian always. burial ground? Always. And then there was even, right before you got here, I was listening to stuff, and there was, um, there, I just, I thought I had seen everything, so I was like, all right, I'll listen to this. And it was an EVP, and they were like, listen, and you'll hear an Indian woman chanting. And you do. It's insane, because you could hear people talking, but you hear somebody, an, an Indian woman, like, chanting. It's bizarre. Like, be, why? Because they were here before us. Yeah. And so we just hogged their land. I mean. Again, white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, what was I going to? Uh, the 17th step. Hold on. Bear with me, people. Because I wrote. Listen, I was very unorganized. Because as I'm writing this, then more stuff. Because it's all legends. Right. So, like, there's some facts, and then there's, like, legend has it, and then another story would pop up, and then it would be like, you know, this family lived here, too, or did they? Right. <laughs> it's, like, so confusing. So, You're I was like, just, yeah. And so, I hell? just was writing down everything and anything. Okay, so then I said I was writing down all the ghost huntings. Okay, here's what I wrote. Chloe isn't the only ghost at the Myrtle's Plantation. Others include William Drew... Winters, an attorney who was shot in 1871 and died in the on the 17th step as he attempted to climb the stairs. People have claimed to see an apparition and have gotten pictures of him, just like I said. But what I didn't know is that he had any relation to Sarah. Okay. So 
I found that out later. That's See, crazy. because not everything is giving you all the I information. Know, I hate that. It's so hard. Anyway, there's a fame. Um, it's rumored to hold. Wait, there's a famous what inside the mansion that's rumored to hold. See, people, I write this shit myself, but I've been in pain this week. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, it's rumored to hold spirits of Sarah and the children. Often at times people will see them reflecting. Ba- oh, I'm so dumb. Okay, so let me just tell you about this. Okay. There's this mirror. Did you hear about the mirror? I vaguely remember it's, it. I, I'm not a fan of it. So there's this mirror. And in every single... Um, YouTube or picture, anything I saw, I didn't see anything, but maybe it doesn't transfer well. But anyway, um, there's a mirror that supposedly, even after the owners have replaced the silver and have replaced, I don't think they've replaced the whole mirror. I think they replaced like getting it redone, like the glass part, everything. Okay. What happened is people were dying And when people die back then, they would cover the mirrors because souls can get in the mirrors and then their souls are lost in the mirrors. This one mirror wasn't covered. So the belief is that souls have gotten lost in there. And people think that they see children's handprints on this mirror, but they also say that they see like a lady's face. Hmm. I didn't see it. And as many times as people pointed to it and like, zoomed in i never saw handprints or a face but i guess it's one of those things you have to see in person yeah maybe or it's one of those things like if you ever hear like and then people say did you hear him say i did it and then you hear i did it because what is it implied whatever anyway um but i didn't see anything so what do i know I just think it's, and but I guess the point is that no matter how many times they've redone the mirror, that it continues to come back with the same markings on it. Hmm. So that is a little strange, I guess. Right. Anyway. I guess, I guess one of these days we're going to have to go see for ourselves. I mean. If that's the case. I mean, we, we might have to like debunk it. We might have to. We might have to. <laughs> when we're going to, you know, on our whole Louisiana trip. Yeah. Because it's oh right God. there. Louisiana. Right? And that's Louisiana. <laughs> so it looks like we have to go. We've got to do Queen Mary first. Yeah, we definitely have to close to home. Queen Mary. And we should go stay at the Dell. I mean, we should just stay there while we're at the Queen Mary. Del Coronado? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was I just talking about that to? They're like, you You really need to go I down really there. would love to stay there. I think there. it was uh, Albert's cousin Gilbert. I mean, might have. My sister stays there a lot. We didn't, we used to, um, we uh, knock and ditched people at the Dell. My, dong, si- my oldest dong? sisters, yeah. Because, well, you can't ding dong, so we had to knock, knock and ditch. <laughs> it was Halloween. Anyway, um, the most fa- uh inside the mansion, that's rumored to hold spirits, Sarah. Okay, remember I was talking about Sarah and her children, and there was one that survived. And supposedly... There's this room where they call it the voodoo room now, Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be really haunted too. And they call it that because the one sister had yellow fever, and they took her in there for one of the women to do, the voodoo woman, Mm -hmm. to do, to heal her. Right. And she didn't heal her, so they killed her. (laughs) 
<laughs> they hunger. Oh, my God. <laughs> so now that room, and so when people stay in that room, they say they feel, um, uh, when they go to sleep, like a little girl jumping on their bed. So she jumps on their bed. And she also, if you kick off your cover, she'll cover you up. So she's a nice ghost. And she's the voodoo sweet. lady? Voodoo lady? I don't know. Um, there is reports of, and it, I don't know if it's that room or not. It might be Chloe. But that people wake up and see, or it might be Sarah for all I know, that see a woman standing at the edge of the bed just staring at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> fun, fun. That's sweet. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. I've always wanted to wake up with somebody staring at me at the nice. edge of my bed. Careful what you ask for. <laughs> You're at Carlene's house. They might go home with you. <laughs> Do not say that. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, they've <laughs> to you. It is. <laughs> Uh, okay, they believe the hauntings started long before. Oh, yeah, so this what um long before all of this because the house was built on ancient burial grounds, according to legends. This is where I was saying ten murders were here and twelve ghosts haunted the property, but there's way more. I was watching another YouTube where they had just taken pictures mm-hmm. of a lady taking pictures, and you can see um yeah. It was somebody taking pictures of a lady, and you could see like energies, right? AKA orbs, and then you could totally see figures of children. What? Yes, it was kind of cool. It was neat. Anyway, what's a little kid gonna do? So some, okay, and then here's another thing. So some say that in this entrance hall area that there's a giant blood stain that's in the shape of a human body and that um no matter how much they scrub or whatever they do they can't get rid of it and that there is a story out there that when they would try and mop it that the mop would stop like it wouldn't even let them mop that area really yeah but i don't know about that one but that's just one of the legends anyway but yeah that's the story there's a blood stain there or something that looks like a blood stain that i don't know why i keep doing little quote things i know <laughs> i'm watching you did my little lift your arm quote, open like an air quote I don't know. It's not quote worthy. Anyway. Oh, and then they say that in one of the rooms, and I don't know if it's in connection to this blood stain or not, but in one of the rooms, there's also a young man who's dressed as a Confederate soldier, but they didn't really say he does anything. Like, does he just he's stand just there? there or do they just, I think there's just sightings of him. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, like, everybody seems pretty harmless. Nobody's, like, trying to hurt anybody. Nothing malicious. Mm-hmm. And in one of the, um, I think it was, is it Ghost Adventures, the one, Zach? Mm-hmm. I didn't annoys me. So he was uh, on I the think stairs. He annoys everybody. Oh, God, he's so. Anyway, they had a ball on the stairs, and they were all doing something, and the ball went flying off the stairs. So, uh-huh. like, the kids there want to play. So, I mean, that's something, I guess. It's also supposedly haunted by... Oh, I already told you about the voodoo girl. Um, anyway, in the 1950s, it was sold to the Marjorie Munson. I think that's their names. Family. Anyway, Marjorie Munson. I think that's 
her name. Okay. Okay. Anyway, um, she's witnessed many spooky, crazy things. But anyway, I'm assuming she's the one that sent the insurance company the pictures and then uh, she got okay. some photos. It's been investigated. Okay. But <laughs> then Investigated by paranormal. Uh, oh, wait. By like ghost hunter people. Anyway, featured by most terrifying places in America. Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. I haven't either. Am I boring you? No, I'm sorry. It's the um, wine and sitting down. <laughs> Ghost Hunters, the show Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, oh, oh. I think sp- that's the first time I ever saw it. The show uh, Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. Okay. They said they had a bunch of technical difficulties. Really? Yeah, like their equipment wasn't working. That's crazy. I know. So crazy. The show Ghost Adventures. They got, oh, Ghost Adventures got uh, footage of a lamp moving across a table um, in the caretaker's quarters or something. Yeah, they actually have footage of it. Okay. That's crazy. There's a recording of a disembodied scream, which I told you at the stairs, not caught until later. They also had one in another room of a disembodied scream. And then somebody's saying, do you want me to help you with that? It's just a calm. Do you want me to help you with that? (laughs) Yeah. And it was nobody in the room that said that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. That's so what I like. It's very active. It is. It's Extremely a very active. active, active. That's why I was like, I'm not going to do all the like, it was owned by this person and it was owned by the, I, even though it's very interesting, I, I recommend that people go and kind of read the history if you're into that kind of thing. But if you're just into the paranormal thing, I'm going to go right for the paranormal part because right. that's what's the most exciting. And Chloe's the, like the story. Right. Did She's you see the star my, of the show. Did you see my quotes go yeah, up I again? Saw. Do you like that? Yep. Uh, and it's not two quotes. It's... I'm only giving you one. Well, it almost looks like you're just like kind of going raw. Grasping. Rawr. Like yeah. that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I already told you that. So looks like I, Carlene is done. What? I am done. What? I'm done. done. I whipped that sucker out in no time. Dude. I should just drink alcohol the whole time my back hurts because. You feel a little bit better? Well, a little. I, you're a tiny bit medicated on top. I'm a little medicated. <laughs> and I think that's why I'm. I mean, look, I haven't drank that much. Nope. Just a couple. And they're not even big glasses. I love these glasses. They're cute. Thank you. They're cute. They're so cute. I love them. I like them too, though. They kind of make me feel happy. Okay. So anyway, I guess yeah, that's, that's our it. show tonight. That's it. Hey, if you need your haircut, go see Debbie. Yes, go see Debbie. Cause I, uh, I haven't been to see Debbie, no. but I didn't even style I'm mine. I'm really yet, but filling your haircut. It feels so happy. <laughs> your hair must grow fast. <laughs> My hair grows super fast. I'm afraid to cut mine too short because just it. it just won't come back. Yeah, well, because it took me forever to get from a little below my shoulders. You take some prenatal vitamins. Oh, I don't help it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. 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 So sorry. It's time to go. Yeah, because we're, you know, tipsy. That's okay. our episode of Tipsy Tales. Okay. If you want to see Carlene. Thanks for Car- joining us tonight. Hey. 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 If you want to see Carlene, come. Come see Carlene. Yes. And, you know, you can look me up. <laughs> and do you want to know how you can look her up? On Facebook. 
on Facebook. Psychic medium, Carlene Higgins. And right. if you want to send her a message, an email, you can email her at Carlene.spirit. Right, no. Sp- <laughs> I, I don't remember my email, to be honest. <laughs> Is it Carlene.spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Carlene.spirit at yahoo.com. That's hilarious. I don't think I've ever drank so much oh that I don't God. remember my email address. <laughs> and uh, that's how you take care of your back pain. Yep. Take oh. it from an expert. That's what you do. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> my nose. Oh. I'm like, what did you do? Oh, no. I'd have a lot more energy if I did that. <laughs> oh, my God. That was hilarious. I'm oh, like, my what? God. That was hilarious. Okay. All right, guys. All right, We're going to call well, it a night. Yeah. Sorry, we've missed a week. But yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it was we've... worth it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and next time, let's switch. Yeah, okay. I'll do... Is there a bug in my nose? No. All right, I'll do a murder. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I felt it. You know, like a little flame bug. Anyway, I'll do a murder and you do paranormal. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Until next oh, time. Oh, hey, if you want to um, contribute to our Patreon. Oh, yeah. We'd we have a Patreon so- account. Oh, my we'd God. be stoked. We'd be so happy. And we'd, we'd even. Say your name on the air. Yes. We'll give talk- you credit. We'll be like, hey, so-and-so just contributed to our Patreon. Thank you so much, so-and-so. We are so happy. Because you'd be conti- contributing to us going to our, our first location this year. Do you know what to I really want to do? Um, I need to go to Tucson. You need Um, to go to Tucson? Listen, I need to go to Tucson. I think I'm going to go at the end of the month. This month? Yes. And I really want to go to Tombstone at some point. Why do you have to go? Uh, Is it business? Because my dog... Oh, my God. So, you know what I was telling you? Sidebar, everybody. Hold on. We're not signing off just yet. But we will. You know what I was telling you about all the stuff that's been going around in my house? So, I had a session. Allie FaceTimes me. She's like, Mom, the elevator... I was just in the elevator. It's freaking me out. It's like beeping. I ran out and now she's talking to me. Her smoke alarm starts going beep, beep. What? Somebody's trying to get, somebody's trying to get all of our attention. Apparently. It's crazy. Apparently. Apparently. Anyway, so she's like, me and my roommates, even my roommates said, there's something going on in here. So I need to go and take care of their apartment. Yes. And my daughter-in-law is like saying something freaky has been going on at her house too. So I need to get my butt out there and take care of business. <laughs> I just need my back to Barely. feel better so I can drive. Out yeah, there. that has to happen first. Sitting right? in a car for two hours is going to yeah. be quite painful that if it's like this. excruciating. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do it. Anyway, okay, that's it. That's I it. Just wanted to, but if you guys contribute, we can go to Tombstone. We can go to Bisbee and Globe. There's some really cool haunted places. Apache right. Junction. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We can go to California and check out some places. Superstition. All right, guys. We're going to call it a night because we're feeling a little bit too good. I mean, this is like the best I have felt all week. I wish we felt like this in the beginning, but yeah, had to get that story out. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, kids. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night. I'm Alma. I'm Carly. Good night. Good night.